Have you ever lost something? Maybe it was your keys, your mobile phone, or something more valuable. To find them, you retrace your steps. You look in all the places they're most likely to be, and sometimes you look in places where they're probably not, but just in case. Sometimes when things go missing, you blame other people. You ask them if they've put them somewhere, if they've seen them. You sometimes think the worst. Maybe they've been stolen, taken from you when you weren't looking. Some of those theories that you come up with when something goes missing are far-fetched. You blame and have unreasonable thoughts. Those themes will be explored in this podcast, but not with insignificant material things, but with a person. This is the story of Desmond Francis Carr, who was last seen at 3pm on August 2, 1979, and then he disappeared. Episode 6. Some New Information. I didn't ever think I would open up my laptop again and start writing another episode about my Uncle Des, who disappeared 40 years ago on a road just south of Broome in northwestern Australia. After we released the final episode, episode 5, I was not hopeful anything or anyone would come forward with new information about my uncle's disappearance. My family was happy with the fact we were able to get the story out, and the podcast had some success both here and overseas. We had set up a website, whereisdares.com, to help show some of the details of his disappearance, and, as part of that site, we had a simple Contact Us page. We had a few hundred emails from people wishing us well. Some gave their own theories about what happened, and some just wanted to say they enjoyed listening to the podcast. That was until Tuesday night, the 4th of September, when my phone pinged, just before going to bed. It was an email from the Contact Us page, and it read, Hi, I knew Des in the 70s in Broome, where we both worked on building sites before he moved to Derby. I saw Des in the evening of Saturday the 4th of August at the Broome Rodeo. He was very drunk, and I was with children, so I didn't speak with him. He seemed to be with two couples, aged in their 20s. They looked like travellers, possibly European. I'll stop reading the email from there, but it was sent by a man called Peter Connolly. That man's name had never come up in all my time researching what had happened to my Uncle Des. To say I didn't sleep the night I got this email is a massive understatement. I had so many questions... My head was spinning with theories, excitement, and a little bit of worry. Worried this might be a very large rabbit hole that I was about to dive back into and still get no more answers than where we left you in episode five. The main thing that went through my mind was the actual time of my uncle's disappearance. Remember, Des was last seen at 3pm on the 2nd of August by his road manager while working on his road roller and at 4pm when they returned to pick him up he was no longer there Luckily, Peter, who had sent the email had left his number so my next step was to give him a call
Hello, Peter. It's appropriate to have a chat now. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to sit myself down inside, and uh, you're lucky because I've just come in. I've been out doing a little bit of work this afternoon. uh, So, where do you live? uh, In Broome. Yeah, I'm still. Peter is 71 years old now, and has been living with the information he's about to give me for 40 years. I'm not the only person he's told this story to, but we'll get to that later. The first thing I wanted to know was why, after all these years, did he get in contact? My daughter-in-law uh, is a bit of a, a podcast freak, uh, and she started talking about the guy that went missing in Broome. And I said to her, oh, his name wasn't Des, was it? She said, yeah. So I then downloaded the podcast myself. I listened to it and I said, well, I've got a bit of information I think I should tell somebody. So that's basically where it come from. I wanted to get a bit of a backstory from Peter on how he knew my Uncle Des, partly to try and verify that he actually did know him and partly to try and understand how they came to meet and how often they'd see each other. I met him in Broome. He was working for the building company that uh, I was working for. I was a contract carpenter building the Holmes West houses here in Broome and uh, Des was also working for the same company. He was a vinyl floor tiler at at the time, laying the uh, the vinyl floor tiles in the units that we were building. And what year was that? Very, very early 70s. And how long did you work together with him? Probably a couple of years. So I did know him reasonably well. He wasn't my best mate, let's be honest, but uh, he was the sort of guy that I worked with. I walked into the pub and he was sitting at the bar. I'd go and have a beer with him. Uh, We spoke to each other quite often. Just a general mate. Okay, so before the information you gave me via email, when was the last time you saw Des before that? Yeah, I've been trying to think. I I ran into him in Broome again. This is after he'd, he'd moved to Derby. And I seen him up near the hospital walking down the road one day and I stopped and talked to him. Now, this I reckon this was maybe uh, towards the end of the 70s, maybe, maybe 77, 78. Uh, I stopped my car and had a good yarn with him. He seemed quite good. I, I can't really remember if he said why he was in Broome, but that's the last time that I... I seen him the time before I recognised him, you know. So let's go to that time that you emailed me about. I'm sure it was a Saturday night because that's the only time they have the Rodeos on. I knew it was the next Saturday night after Des went missing. So I, I kind of done a bit of research myself and I found out that that was the fault. So we're talking Saturday, the 4th of August, 1979. And so it was a rodeo in Broome. Yeah, in in Broome, yeah. Tell me what you saw. Well, I was at the rodeo uh, with my children. Uh, I had one son of my own and three other children that I was looking after at the time. so I was standing there watching the rodeo. It was kind of an early evening. I, I don't know exactly what time, 7, 8, 8 o'clock, something along those lines. And I was standing kind of reasonably close and I could see the bar. And I looked up and I could see Des walking up to the bar. 
Now, at this time, I noticed that he was really, really quite drunk. Uh, he was doing quite a bit of staggering. It looked like he was talking to two couples of people to the degree that I thought he was actually with them. But I didn't make contact because I was with my kids and I thought to myself, oh, you're a bit too drunk to talk to tonight, Biz. So I just let it go. And so these people he was standing with by the bar, who, who were they, do you know? Well, look, I, they, they weren't local people from Broome. I knew that, but I'd never seen them before. They, they, they looked like young European backpackers to me, kind of northern European, maybe German, Swedish, something along these lines. That, that, that was just the impression that I got. Like, like I said, Des seemed to be with them. I couldn't hear what he was saying, but I could see that he, he, he was talking to them in general. And you said it was a couple or a couple of people? Was that... uh, Yeah, two couples. A girl and a guy and a girl and a guy. Okay. Yeah. And did he look like they were friends or friendly or...? I, I kind of got the impression that he was with them. So, to recap, Peter says he saw Des a few days after he went missing. He was talking with two couples and he was drunk. At that time, I didn't know that it was Des that was missing. So when did you find that out? It was early the next week. May have even been on the Sunday. I can't quite remember if I heard it on the news or somebody told me. But it was early the next week that I heard that it was Des. And bang, all of a sudden, I said to myself, well, I seen him on Saturday night. I was, I was positive that it was him. This new information has really blown me away. To think that this podcast about my Uncle Des, who's been missing for 40 years, was heard by someone's daughter-in-law, and in conversation she brings it up, and her father-in-law says... His name wasn't Des, was it? That's my Uncle Des, the man we've been searching for answers for, for about 40 years. Peter says he did go to the police a few days after he found out that Des was missing to report what he saw. At that time, I was a member of the local Shire Council here in Durham, and uh, Sergeant Smith used to kind of liaise with us quite often, so I, I did know him on a personal basis. I discussed it with him and, and said that I'd seen him at the Rodeo, and he asked me if I made verbal contact with him if I spoke to him. And I said I didn't and explained the, the reasons why. It was because I had my kids with me. And he said, well, look, it's not a true verification of Des. And it was basically left at that. Reflecting back on it again now, I didn't make a statement of any sort. Uh, he didn't take any notes. I got a feeling that he might have just passed it off, forgotten about it. On reflection, that's what I kind of think, because he didn't write out a description or anything. Wow. This is amazing information. Mm. Uh, It really is, Peter. And and I know the family and me being as part of the family are grateful that you've come forward. How confident are you that it was Des that you saw at the Rodeo that night? Well, look, no one can be 100%, but I'd say, you know, 90% sure that it was Des. Des was a fairly outstanding sort of a guy. He wasn't the sort of guy that, that looks like anybody else. 
you know, he uh, uh, he had a unique look about him, and he was to me he was very easy to recognise. And for the length of time that I knew him, from the early seventies right up to that point, even when he moved to Derby, I did see him from time to time. So it, I knew him over a fairly long period of time. So. Look, you know, I'd, I'd be ninety percent sure that it was there. I was shocked when I found out that he was the guy that was missing from the main roads. I'm thinking, surely the police would have a record of Peter reporting the sighting. You would hope so, but from Peter's memory, it sounds like the copper on the day was a little more relaxed than I was when I heard the information. I've emailed the detective you've heard in earlier episodes to chase up this information. That will no doubt form part of a future episode when we get it. I recall in one of the many interviews I did with my mum and my auntie Joy that there was a story that the Main Roads team actually didn't report Des missing until Monday when he didn't turn up for work. This was part of the Channel 9 story around Des's disappearance. Thinking he may have quit work early, the foreman didn't raise the alarm until after the weekend. They thought that he had just knocked off early and maybe gone home to see family in Perth. No one from Main Roads called the family until Monday the 6th of August 1979 to ask if Des was with them. It was at this stage the police report was filed. August 6th was two days after Peter Connolly says he saw Des very drunk hanging out with a few travellers at the Broom Rodeo. My family always thought the crucial time was that hour between 3pm and 4pm on the 2nd of August, where Des was last seen standing by his roller. Now, he could have gone missing any time after that point, potentially from a different location. That now opens up a whole bunch of new questions. This is what I was afraid of. Peter had lived with this information for 40 years, and it wasn't until this podcast that he had a way of telling his story. From time to time, I've, I've seen something in the paper, uh, and I've kind of thought about it. It's, it's something that hasn't left my mind. It's continuously been there. I often wonder, actually, what happened to him. Uh, you know, like there were times that I thought, well, maybe I, I should try and contact the family. I didn't really know how to go about that. I kind of thought, well, I've done all I can by going to the police, but on reflection, I really don't think they've done anything about it. There's been a few friends that I've told over time, both here and, and in Derby, but, you know, uh, no one seemed to know anything. I haven't actually told any of my family yet because I wanted to chat to you first, um, yeah. obviously, to, to make sure that, one, uh, we've had lots of emails of different people. This is the first piece of credible information that's come through yep. from the website. And so, Peter, you mentioned that you'd be happy to talk to the police again. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm quite prepared to make another statement. I want to tell my family, in particular, my mum and my auntie Joy. I know... The family will hear this podcast, so it's only right that I call them and let them know what I've found out before it's released. I'm also torn about recording the call to my auntie, who is the first person I think I would tell because I don't think mum would handle it as well. 
I decide I'll sleep on it. Hello? Honey Joy. Oh, yes, Jason, is it? Yeah, it is. How are you? Yeah. Oh, I'm good, thanks. And you? Yeah, not too bad. Sorry I'm so late at calling. That's okay. I'm just sitting here being lazy. Oh, well, yeah, that's a nice way yeah. to be. Yeah. You've got some more news, have you? I don't know if you know this information. Mm-hmm. So when we released the podcast, I set up a website. Yeah. And uh, we had a really simple uh, contact us page there that someone could send an email in or make contact with us. Mm-hmm. I got an email only a little while ago from a man called Peter Connolly. So mm-hmm. Peter Connolly believes that he saw Des at the Broom Rodeo on the Saturday night after he was reported missing. Had you heard that before? No, no, I hadn't. No. Uh. You'll hear my auntie's reaction in the next episode of The Disappearance of Des.